All right, NFL Week 4 is upon us. Here to break it all down from a betting standpoint, Jason Nadell. Jason is the creator of First Down, First Down, a simple proprietary metric designed to uncover edges in fantasy football as well as betting. He also happens to be a craft beer connoisseur, so you can bet that both the props and the hops will be covered in this conversation. And on a more personal note, Jason's a good friend and was a fantastic manager at a previous employer of mine. You can find his work at firstdownfirstdown.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Nadell. That's N-A-D-E-L. Jason, this has been a long time coming. Welcome to Props and Hops. Thank you. I'm honored to be on the show. Thanks a lot. It's a blast to have you on. Can't wait to dig in. I will address two quick housekeeping items right off the top here. First off is anybody watching or listening can probably tell by my video and audio. I am traveling this week mostly with the audio. I hope it's coming through clean. I'm trying to get the best hotel Wi-Fi I can. If anything goes awry on the live stream, we will clean that up and post as best we can. But we'll really try to keep this easy to understand. Back to the normal setup next week. And for those of you who are with us live on YouTube and Twitter, feel free to drop in any thoughts or questions. We'll look to make this as engaging as possible throughout the course of the conversation. Now, Jason, this is usually the part of the show where I try to get to some football picks in quick order, and we will get there. But I've got to ask you to kick off this interview. What are you drinking right now? <laughs> you know, I picked uh, three New York beers, and I'm going to choose one right now because I know how much you love Equilibrium. But yes. it is Mobius, Papua New Guinea Vanilla. Mm. Looks like a pretty great beer. Um, you know, Equilibrium is one of New York's best breweries, so obviously it's going to be good. So is that I think of Equilibrium and I go right to Hazy IPA, but with vanilla, I think of other styles potentially. Which one is this? This is, it's only 7%. Mm -hmm. and only 7 nice. A sessionable 7% <laughs> beer. For yeah, you know, some of these like vanilla, these like, uh, these these darker beers in, uh, lately can get up to like 10, 11%. Absolutely. I don't know, this doesn't, yeah. an American porter. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so not an IPA, but a nice, that, that is probably easier on the palate than a vanilla yeah. stout that could easily be double the ABV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. I am going to stay with New York beer as well. And speaking with you, this probably will be no surprise. I've got a can from Other Half. I was able to get there a couple nights ago. Double dry hopped, all stitcher, everything. Imperial IPA. Looking for the ABV. I think it's 8%. 8.5%. Wow, 8.5 for a good measure. Um, it's just a classic citra forward. So think citrusy, tropical fruit, really easy drinking, hazy IPA, deceptively smooth for that 8.5% ABV, uh, super flavorful. And it's a must every time I get out this way. So Jason, going to open this can up. Ooh, beautiful sound on your end. Cheers, man. Cheers. That's about as good as it gets. All right. Well, diving in, Jason. We will, again, get to plenty of picks and follow the normal structure of the show. But with this being your first time on Props and Hops, I'd love to hear about your background when it comes to everything you've done in fantasy sports as well as in betting more recently. Yeah, thank, it's it's great to uh, great to be on. I, uh, I've been playing fantasy sports, you know, my whole life, uh, fantasy football in particular. Uh, a few years ago, I started getting much deeper into fantasy baseball and approached data in like a totally different way where I would look at the full player composition and in baseball, it's really easy to do. You, you have typically all these different categories, all, the, all these different ways to score fantasy points. Um, so you have to kind of look at a full player 
how many RBIs they get, how many home runs they get, how many stolen bases, um, and figure out what their value is. Um, last summer, I had a baby and I had a lot of time uh, in a delirium state. And I was thinking about fantasy football, maybe in a new perspective. You know, <laughs> I had all this, uh, this big life change. And I was, I was thinking like, you know, I have all this time to just sit around and take care of this baby. Let me look at fantasy football the way I look at fantasy baseball. So I started analyzing the last decade of, of wide receivers in particular and uh, started to see some trends that I, I don't think other people had necessarily seen before or at least hadn't valued in the same way. And first down, first down was born. And when it comes to first down, first down, I'd love to dive in a bit further. First off, tell us a little bit more about what it is. Yeah, so I basically first down, first down is exactly as it sounds. It is first downs on first down. Um, Something well, Joe Lombardi would have rebelled against hard in his yeah, days. Well, we talked about offensive coordinator. <laughs> Whenever we talked about this, metric. yeah, we talked about this last year. You're like, I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> but uh, one of the one of the interesting things, particularly about wide receivers, is looking at really great wide receivers, uh, how they accumulate fantasy points. Uh, basically, they score a higher percentage of their points as touchdowns versus middling receivers. It's not necessarily proportional. Um, so, so in order to, to find touchdowns, which is the goal of fantasy football, and really, you know, we get to the props, <laughs> you uh, definitely you want to be looking for what what leads to touchdowns. And one of the one of the stats I found was uh, great receivers not only score more touchdowns, obviously, but um, a higher percentage of their uh, point composition is from touchdowns. They also have about 70% or higher first down rate out of all their receptions. So 70% of their catches are first downs or higher. And then on top of that, early down first downs have this really good signal on how well they do, how many touchdowns they score. So that's really how this all started. I, I realized that if you look at first down, first downs, you can kind of see where touchdowns might happen or who's due for more touchdowns or who's uh, who's underperforming their touchdowns. And when it comes to the way you phrase that, I think of a lot of people in the analytics community looking at stats like early down success rate. So I think there's some signal there, not only from a fantasy standpoint, but definitely in terms of what a lot of betters look at. I think the Jags I heard, maybe it was Adam Chernoff's podcast, a simple handicap today or, or quite recently mentioned that they've been really good on early downs and yet they've struggled on third down and this was either adam turnoff or perhaps sharp clark so uh, apologies to whoever I, i'm getting it wrong with here i try to give credit where it's due but the takeaway is that the jags might be due for some positive regression as a team because early down success rate tends to be much more predictive than third and fourth downs where um, a team's hand is forced and there are very high leverage downs that don't necessarily carry over from week to week the same day that early down success and early down approaches that a team carries on um, could lead to opportunity for from a fantasy or a betting perspective over the course of the season. So to that end, I'm wondering that I, I'm wondering if while you created this from a fantasy standpoint, if there's any betting ramifications that you found to be quite useful as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, the philosophy is that the, this type of metric and these type of projections are best at a season long standpoint. So 
saying that uh, 20 first down, first downs, you know, is, is rel- like 10 touchdowns on the season, that kind of, you know, that kind of logic. Um, it could be hard to pick, you know, a single game, but I think it's all about probabilities. So who's, who's achieving the first down, first downs so far this season, who's not scoring touchdowns, but getting those, those are the kinds of things that I look for in player props. I know I've talked about wide receivers, but these also apply to running backs, particularly in early down first downs, meaning first and second down. Um, I like to look at yardage props. I like to look at touchdown uh, props and I have dabbled in spread uh, decisions using team first down, first downs. You know, we, I, I like, it was a little bit break even. I think I finished last year slightly up on the season in terms of units, but wasn't like this overwhelming success that I felt like the first down first downs provided with fantasy or, or player props. So um, my focus is really on individual running backs and wide receivers. All right. Well, I have a feeling we'll be hearing from you about an individual running back or wide receiver a little bit later in the show, but you did mention that at times you have explored how this might apply to betting point spreads. And Jason, I'll ask you about a side you like this week, and it can go beyond the scope of what the first down, first down model gives you. But I know that you also consume a lot of really interesting content and kind of like my own approach can curate what other smart people are saying to draw your own really good conclusions. So whether it's first down, first down or everything else you're consuming from others, what would you say is a side you like? And really quickly, I guess, before I hand it back over to you, no pressure here, by the way, if this feels a bit outside your wheelhouse. Last week on this show, we had pro better Las Vegas, Chris, another good friend of mine. Denver plus six and a half was one of the sides that he really liked. We could have given Chris 46 and a half points with Denver, and it still wouldn't have come within a field goal of covering. So I know that's an extreme result, but really to tee this up, much more interested in the process uh, than any one result here. So to that end, Jason, take it away on a side that you like for this week. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to uh, to jump into it where like, you know, it's all about probabilities and we're, we're just trying to figure out what might be undervalued. I really like the Seahawks this week. I think uh, the Giants last year had a lot of success in the regular season, you know, and in the playoff game. They won a lot of games, but they got absolutely crushed in the first down, first down differentials. They let up a lot of first down, first downs. They did not achieve that many first down, first downs. The Seahawks, you know, they have their own issues, but Ken Walker is right now on the leaderboard of first down, first downs. What is he on running backs? He is, he has, he's eighth, seventh. He's seventh in running backs. And uh, even Charbonnet has actually a decent amount. So I, I really like the Seahawks. They're getting plus one right now, which I thought, I was really surprised at if I, if I, uh, I would have gone, I would, I would go money line Seahawks or even a little more aggressive bet and go uh, minus odds, but certainly in like a minus 110, I'm going Seahawks for sure. Yeah. I wonder if you might even want to look at an alternative point spread thinking if, yeah. if the Seahawks were a short favorite earlier in the week and it seemed logical then now if there's a couple extra points, the line has moved in the giants direction for some reason. Um, laying a little bit with Seattle might not be the worst way that you can go. Definitely. That's, that's, that's how I'm feeling about this game. And I don't know, I, it, Saquon, I guess it could, could show up and maybe that changes the whole dynamic, but I like the Seahawks a lot in that. 
Yeah, I, I just feel like Saquon hasn't changed a ton with the Giants recently. I know he's been beat up physically, and in this return from an ankle injury, should he be in the lineup this week, I'm not sure he would make a, a full vintage Saquon impact. So I, I'd feel pretty safe there. I, I think is Andrew Thomas the guy the Giants are getting back? That might be a more impactful return to the team, but still not enough to overshadow what I think I've heard from a lot of really sharp voices in the space, echoing your thoughts, giving Seattle a good look this week. So can't fault that logic at all. And I will stick in the NFC. I'm looking at the Saints this week, laying three, and there is some juice now attached to that number. Saints hosting Tampa Bay. I'm seeing some minus three, minus 120 out there. Some books are up to three and a half already at reduced fig. So consider this good up to Saints minus three and a half at even money. And I heard really compelling cases from Hitman and Rob Pozzola on Forward Progress, as well as Sharp Clark on the Move the Line podcast this week. Basically, some of the key points being that Jameis Winston not a major downgrade from Derek Carr, especially with Winston being an above average backup and Derek Carr hadn't really hit his groove with the Saints yet. So I don't think we're in store for a major drop off under center for New Orleans. Tampa Bay's secondary could see quite a drop off with some injuries they're dealing with. That's a bit of a mismatch against New York. Excuse me, New York. You've got me thinking about the Giants here. Uh, New Orleans wide receivers, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, the Saints offense could really do quite well here, especially with Alvin Kamara returning. That That's kind of an under-the-radar factor here that could be quite impactful right out of the gate. On the other side of the ball, the Saints defense, I think, has quite a few edges over Tampa's offense. Baker Mayfield had a return to reality game on Monday night against Philly. And Tampa Bay, while they didn't look great on Monday against the Eagles and got kind of exposed there, they did benefit from some pretty misleading final scores in weeks one and two at Minnesota and at home with a late pick six against the Bears to lock in that cover. So I think the Bucks got a little bit inflated early on this season. I was part of that. Full disclosure, I was on them last week. But I'm ready to pivot based on what I've seen and, and adjust based on what we're getting week by week here in the NFL. And just because I bet on Tampa in week three doesn't mean I'm unwilling to bet against them in week four. Again, I think there's value on New Orleans. Let's say minus three, minus 120 still out there. Good up to minus three and a half at even money. Jason, any thoughts on Saints Bucks this weekend? I'm totally with you. That was That was on my list for sure. Uh, Kamara coming back, I think is, you know, that's a, that's a good, uh, variable here. It can, like, it can only be positive. I, I think, um, the, the running back by committee might still persist, but whatever. These now have this explosive potentially receiving back, um, to round out Shahid. I love Michael Thomas. I was, he was my like bold prediction for this year. I ranked him really high in my wide receiver rankings. Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I mean, if they're healthy and it's 2018, we're loving it, right? But I even think in 2023, they could they could do a lot. And like you said, Jameis Winston, Derek, Derek Carr, is there really much of a difference? I'm not sure. I think uh, I think you're you're spot on. All right. Well, we will keep our fingers crossed with the Seahawks and the Saints against the spread this week. Jason, let's also move on and talk some teasers and full disclosure on the show through three weeks. Just one and two on my end with the official teaser plays. They managed to lose not one, but both legs last week, <laughs> teasing the Jags with the Ravens. And one thing I prefaced in the preseason, when the season was about to get going, especially early on, there are a lot of unknowns here. The market's less efficient than it is later on in the season. So with teasers inherently being bets against variance, I think edges are still there for the taking, but... I would encourage managing the bankroll accordingly for now. I personally plan to increase my teaser staking as the season progresses and the market gets more efficient. So it doesn't mean there can't be value, but it doesn't mean that we should be unloading on anything just because it looks like an enticing teaser at this time of year. 
when I look at the classic teaser model of teams crossing through both three and seven, good up to minus 120. We've got a quartet of options this week for people who are with us live before Thursday night football kicks off at Lambeau Field. The Packers are an option up to plus eight hosting the Lions. Then on Sunday, we've got the Eagles down to minus two hosting Washington, Tennessee up to plus eight and a half hosting Cincinnati. And with some recent Jets money, Kansas City can be teased down to minus two and a half at the Jets. I'm wondering if Chiefs corner Jalen Watson not practicing today after full practice yesterday, maybe a surprise injury, shaking up some confidence in the Chiefs defense could have something to do with that. I don't know. Again, I've been traveling on a business trip, trying to keep up with things, and this very recently happened. But I was not disappointed to see the Chiefs re-enter teaser territory. Jason, among those options or perhaps anything else that stands out to you, where are you looking in far as far as teaser opportunities are concerned on this week's board? I I'm, I like the Chiefs, like you said. I uh, <laughs> like I'm in. I was in New York uh, City on Sunday, and the Jets game was on, and it was just the saddest thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is just they have no juice. That no like nothing going on on offense. I don't see how the the Chiefs don't don't uh, get that. I like the Raiders. I know that wasn't one of the teams you mentioned. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, you know they're going up against your Chargers, but. I think that there is some really interesting uh, dynamics there. I guess that's assuming that Jimmy G is healthy. I, I uh, He looks Devontae's way every time I think Josh Jacobs is uh, underperforming in like a totally unsustainable way. I think he'll find it and have a great game. So I would go Chiefs minus 2.5 and maybe uh, Raiders with, I guess, a lot more. What would that be? Uh, Looks like the line is five right five now. Five and a half, the yeah. Money has trickled in. Things are looking good for Jimmy G to go this week, as of the latest news I've seen. So yeah, six points will get you to eleven there. So that's that would be my teaser pick. Yeah. All right, the the Chargers, the team that first down, first down loves to hate. I can't really <laughs> fault the logic, so can't say I'm totally surprised to see that. I will say that as far as my selection goes, it's often a process of elimination on my end. And I'll just cross the Packers off right now, not because I don't think there's any merit to teasing them, but because that game will have gone final before the show's released in podcast form. So that wouldn't be fair for the larger audience to include that. I would say that Tennessee has the makings of a good teaser leg with Burrow being compromised, but I consider it just a touch weaker than the Eagles and the Chiefs. So I'll, I'll stay with you on the Chiefs and also throw in the Eagles minus two hosting Washington. Basically a case of two vastly superior teams needing to do little more than win outright. And maybe some bias on my end after having some exposure on both Sam Howell and Zach Wilson in last week's betting portfolio, I might be a bit too eager to bet against them this time around. One thing I'll note from a math standpoint, not the most sexy part of betting, but I think the most valuable at times, a money line parlay right now on Kansas City and Philadelphia going to cost you in the range of minus 185. You can tease these teams at a lot of books at minus 120. So it is possible that there's a one or two point win that means the money line parlay hits and the teaser doesn't. But I think that is well worth the trade-off to save 65 cents here and just go with the teaser. So let's go on my end with Philadelphia minus two hosting Washington, Kansas City minus two and a half at the Jets. And unofficially, I'd say for those who can shop around, three team six point teasers at plus 170 or better are out there at quite a few shops. And in that case, I could not fault the idea of going Philly, Kansas City, as well as Tennessee up to plus eight and a half hosting Cincinnati. Jason, we've talked sides. We've talked teasers. Now let's get into your wheelhouse and talk some props. 
um, another chance to really highlight the power of first down, first down. So what would you say would be your official prop for week four in the NFL? Official prop. You know, last week I, uh, I hit pretty well on Adam Thielen and Tutu Atwell in uh, yardage props. I'm liking it again. Right now they have a over 51 and a half yards, both of them. Both of them have an over and under of four and a half receptions. I think that I would say with the unknown of the Panthers quarterback, I'm going 2-2 Atwell once again. I would say over 51 and a half would be the conservative conservative play. And any time touchdown right now was plus 195. I think that's like fifth or something in the matchup. But I think he's probably one of the more likely guys to score. So I like that one. And then I can't help but think about tonight. And I think Romeo Dobbs has a really good chance of scoring tonight. Um, but a more a safer play would be a reception uh, or yardage prop. And I think his line was like 38 yards or something. So I don't know. My official one <laughs> is going to be 2-2. But my bonus one, just for you, Matt, because this won't air till Friday, is uh, is a Dobbs over 38 and a half yards. I am shopping for a live line right now, and we'll have some people in live. So it's not just for me, but it is for those who <laughs> make sure to tune in uh, when we do this in real time. Let's see. Romeo Dobbs receiving yards. Okay, it looks like it's gone up a bit from what you quoted. I am seeing 38 and a half at FanDuel and then a lot of 40 and a half. So, yeah, definitely still in the ballpark there. I would go any of that. I think he's. I think he breaks 50. That's my, that's my prediction. All right. Well, to be faithful, we'll say over 40 and a half uh, yeah. for people like me who – spend most of their time in California where that FanDuel number might not be an <laughs> option in the regulated market. Still plenty of 40 and a half out there for the taking. All right, Jason, I have one that I will run by you as well. And this one came to me courtesy of Adam Chernoff with Right Angle Sports. He mentioned Anthony Richardson, anytime touchdown. I'm seeing that priced at plus 140 right now. And the first two weeks of the season before Richardson missed week three, this line opened and largely stayed right around plus 180. And in week two, leading up to that second Colts game, Adam had expressed interest to me in this prop down to plus 125. So a lot of this was due to Shane Steichen usually using a scheme that relies on a quarterback being an active part of the ground game, especially in Indianapolis, a lot of attrition at running back and with Richardson's playing style. Yes, injury is a concern. We've already seen that come into play. But when he's on the field, a strong willingness to run and a phenomenal athlete any thoughts? Is there anything? I know first down, first down focuses more on running backs and wide receivers, but is there anything in the way of Anthony Richardson anytime touchdown score that would give you a sense to look to the yes at plus 140 or perhaps to the no? I love it. He's actually the top top uh, rusher in first down, first downs for quarterbacks right now, and he only played two games. So I love it. I think I think that uh, having watched the Colts, I have, I have him in a super flex league in the Scott Fishbowl. So I'm watching a lot of the Colts games and liking what I'm seeing, but I love it. I think, I think he has a really good shot of a rushing touchdown. All right, cool. We will add that to the mix. I will take a moment now to remind the audience that I am partnering with Adam and his team at Right Angle Sports in an affiliate capacity this season. Right Angle Sports has built a reputation as the gold standard for picks from pro sports bettors and new this football season. They've got something for everyone from college football to the NFL. And you can support this show by supporting Right Angle Sports. I've got a custom link that I built 
tinyurl.com slash raspicks. If you're catching this on YouTube or in podcast form, that link is also in the show notes. And on Twitter, that link is in my bio. Jason, thank you for the rundown on sides, teasers, props. I will give a rapid fire rundown of what we can dub the props and hops NFL week four portfolio here. Jason on Seattle and on my odd screen, they have just caught some money. I don't know. Maybe some other few tuning in live have really taken your Seahawks (laughs) case to heart because the Seahawks are now favored. I'm seeing as high as minus one and a half, but consensus minus one. So Jason, if that's still good in your book, we'll say Seattle minus one. And I will go with New Orleans again, minus three up to minus 120. Consider that good up to minus three and a half at even money. From a teaser standpoint, Jason going with Kansas City minus two and a half at the Jets paired with the Raiders plus 11 at my beloved Chargers. And I'm going with Kansas City as well, minus two and a half at the Jets. But I am pairing them with Philadelphia minus two hosting Washington. Last but not least, from a prop betting standpoint, Jason's on 2-2 Atwell, over 51 and a half receiving yards, anytime touchdowns for plus 195. And as a bonus for the live audience, Romeo Dobbs, over 40 and a half yards receiving tonight in Packers Lions. And with the consensus we've got, let's go ahead and uh, also make it official for the show's portfolio. Anthony Richardson, anytime touchdown score, consider it good at the current price of plus 140. And based on what I heard from Adam, uh, a little bit of wiggle room all the way down to plus 125. We consider it good to bet on Anthony Richardson to score a touchdown for the Colts in that Rams game. A lot of prop action in Colts Rams. So I guess on my multi-view on a YouTube Sunday NFL ticket this weekend, I'll have to I'll have to pull that up. Or I guess being in L.A., I'll be back home. It'll be uh, on a local channel. But I was not planning to watch Colts Rams. Now it's going to be tough not to. I love it. I love it. You know, that's the fun of uh, picking games that you wouldn't normally watch. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Well, Jason, that's plenty of picks. I I love to be process-oriented on the show as well. And when I think of talking through process with you, uh, I think of maybe a synergy on the way that we approach things with um, being good at just curating top takeaways from other content that's out there in the space, from sharp people, consuming as much info as possible, filtering the signal from the noise, and ultimately distilling it down to the most actionable insights. To that end, uh, putting on your hat as uh, perhaps at times more of a tastemaker than an originator, although you're doing plenty of originity and it, excuse me, plenty of origination now with first down, first down. What would you say you would recommend as far as content goes that's a net positive in this space that's littered with content? What really stands out to you as far as what you'd recommend for fantasy and or betting content that you'd recommend to others? I think that... So my approach with first down, first down is thinking about sports analytics in a more sabermetrics way. Like I skew, I skew baseball because I think the, the advanced analytics there are just, it's so deep and so rich. It's like the originator of this type of measurement. So I, I automatically uh, prefer guys that do both football and baseball. So Derek Cardi is uh, the, the guy behind the, most accurate baseball projection system called the bat. He has a football one called the blitz. He comes up with betting picks uh, fairly regularly. I think it's a weekly, uh, weekly show he has. Um, Jake Seeley on the athletic, he is uh, a pretty popular guy, but he also does baseball content. So I, I tend to like that perspective as well. Um, and then not a baseball perspective. Every year I read the sharp football uh, guide to the upcoming season. I think that's a really good primer that helps me think about decisions, um, not being reactive. Cause I like to, I like to think about what was my perspective in the preseason, you know, it's week four. Should it really be that different or 
should I really change my mind on, on a team or on a player that that kind of um, building in the off season, I think can really help your decision-making in season. And do you, as somebody with a full-time job doing first down, first down with a young daughter, do you actually read the entire sharp football preview? Cause <laughs> I've heard that's quite the beast to get through. So I've got to ask if you do indeed get through it cover to cover. Uh, you know, I pick, I, I go through different sections where I'm curious about, I read the, uh, I read like Warren's like overview for every single team and then dive into the tables where I find specific interest. But yeah, it's a, it's a beast. All right. Well, let's use that as a segue into another area where you've proven to be an expert at picking your spots, weaving in the hops. Jason, being local to New York, a town where a lot of people will visit from all over the world, and sometimes these people might be craft beer fans as well. How would you plan an ideal weekend for a craft beer drinker who's visiting New York City? I think you you stay in Brooklyn. There's really like two epicenters of beer in Brooklyn and for the most part, New York City. There's the South Brooklyn Gowanus neighborhood and then there's the North Brooklyn Williamsburg Bushwick area. Both are just littered with great breweries with awesome uh, food and stuff going on. The Gowanus area, you've got, of course, you've got other half, Matt's Mecca. And then you have Threes and Finback and Wild East and Strong Rope and probably some other breweries I can't think of that have all kind of sprouted in that neighborhood. It's a weird neighborhood. The Gowanus Canal is like this super polluted, uh, weird canal, but it's a really fun neighborhood. There's a lot of really interesting shops and bars and restaurants. That's a great area to stay. It's like Gowanus, Cobble Hill, uh, Carroll Gardens area. You've got Lucali's Pizza as well and some really famous places. Um, and then you have the North Brooklyn area where you have Grimm, KCBC, and all the Bushwick beer bars and uh, just awesome things to do. So I would, I would stay in Brooklyn. I would spend one night in North Brooklyn and one night in the Gowanus area. All right. A lot of bases covered there. <laughs> and then I feel like I'd be remiss to keep you in a box of New York City alone. So how would you describe a go-to craft beer experience that you've had outside of New York City? You, uh, you got me like thinking down nostalgic uh, memories when you asked me this question. <laughs> but my, when I was a, a junior in college, I studied abroad in Sweden and I went to Copenhagen and a friend of mine told me about McKellar Bar. Uh, and I went to McKellar Bar in, in Copenhagen and my mind was blown like, holy crap, Denmark has this incredible craft beer. They have these amazing bars. And I just got totally hooked by McKellar and started going to all the McKellars around the world in Asia, in random places where they have like Fair Islands and Berlin. And they, even in California, they, they had one in LA that <laughs> went to before it closed. But uh, that first McKellar bar, I think, woke, like it was like an awakening of what craft beer bars could be. I love that you went in a Nordic direction because to bring things full circle, we'll weave in the Malinsky minute here. And as much as Dave was committed to the grind when that's what it took to succeed as a pro better, he also loved to travel and get off the grid. Jason, your Twitter bio mentions being an Iceland travel guide. So let's stick with some love for the Nordic region. And I, I know that you'll be going back soon yourself. 
What are your top tips for somebody who is visiting Iceland sometime in the foreseeable future? Yeah, it's so, you know, it's, it's so common to visit Iceland. It's so popular, especially in the, the, uh, the Eastern U S cause it's, it's really not that far away. Um, I think that the key is don't just do what everybody does. It's a really, really cool country full of amazing natural beauty. And people often go to the same five spots that everybody else goes to, but it's really those, those spots that people picked aren't like inherently better than a random spot you would just go drive to. So I like the idea of just renting a car and going, going searching for something you're looking for, whether it's a waterfall hike or a volcano or a great beer bar, just go enjoy the scenery, put on some cigarros and uh, enjoy like being on a totally different landscape that kind of looks like the moon. Love it. And your quote, if I've got it right, don't do what everybody else does. I think that applies so well beyond the scope of this question when it comes to betting and so many other walks of life. So good mantra to wrap things up on. Before we tie a bow around this conversation, quick few promos to sneak in. First off, if you're still tuned into this conversation, then clearly that's a good sign you like the show. For those of you with us on YouTube, if you could like this video, subscribe to the Props and Hops channel, turn on notifications so you can get a heads up as we go live over the course of the season. On Twitter, like this post, repost it, follow Jason at Jason underscore Nadell, the show at Props and Hops Pod, and myself at Lay of the Landis. For those of you listening in podcast form, if you could take five seconds to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be greatly appreciated. And feel free to also subscribe to the show so it can automatically appear in your feed as new episodes drop. And last but not least, however you're listening, you can support this show, again, by supporting Right Angle Sports. The custom link I've got is tinyurl.com slash raspicks. On YouTube and podcast form, that link is also in the show notes. On Twitter, that link is in the profile bio. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. want to encourage everybody to follow Jason's work at firstdownfirstdown.com. Also on Twitter at Jason underscore Nadell. That's N-A-D-E-L. Jason, such a blast to finally have you on the show. I know I've been stammering a bit. Maybe it's jet lag. Maybe it's this double IPA that I cracked at the top of the show with you. It's been such a good time, nevertheless. Really appreciate the time and insight. And I've got to say, I'll already look forward to planning some time with you next summer for a fantasy deep dive as well. Absolutely. Great being on. Thanks so much. You got it. And one quick programming note for the audience as we wrap things up here. Next week's showtime, TBD aiming for Thursday night football post game. I will announce the day, time, and guest on Wednesday on Twitter via the Props and Hops pod handle. In the meantime, thank you one last time to everybody for watching, listening to this conversation. Enjoy week four in the NFL, and best of luck with your bets this weekend.